Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow Well, there we go. Welcome again to Blog Talk Radio and to The Catch. This is your host, John Fisher. And uh, if you are new to The Catch, uh, join us. Um, Go to our website, which is just simply catchjohnfisher.com and uh, check out, uh, I write a catch every day. Um, something new to uh, help you think through your faith and the culture we live in. Those are our two real strong connections. And uh, that's what we love to do. Um, And especially on this program, every Tuesday night, uh, we like to have uh, a guest who is, will help us think through uh, what it means to be uh, a Christian uh, uh, to 2021 and uh, this uh, particular uh, episode is a guest who is going to help us uh, look back actually and grab some things from the past I think you're going to really like this interview um, and uh, I can't wait to get going on it uh, because it uh, involves a, a project that's very near and dear to my heart, anyone like me who went through the Jesus movement, well, we're, you know, you just have to kind of uh, uh, be kind to us because in, in many ways we got stuck there and uh, we would, we would just as be happy to, uh, to, to, to be continuing to live there. Uh, although, you know, that was 50 years ago and today is today and we have a new world. Um, and a whole different environment. And yet um, it was such a significant time, uh, significant in our lives and in many of the lives of people who became Christians as a result of what was going on in 1970, 71, 72, especially those early years of the 70s. Um, And that's where we're focusing on today because our guest is uh, a gentleman called uh, named Andrew McDonald. And Andrew is the associate director of the Research Institute of of Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. And he is working on a fascinating project, which is really trying to grab some videos and oral history of the Jesus movement um, from the standpoint of evangelism and, uh, and the Billy Graham Center to have something uh, actually available there that uh, will, for, for the future years, we can capture this. We can go back and we can talk 
to and listen to interviews of people who were around at the Jesus movement and uh, uh, for the purpose of what it what happened, how did it happen, what did we learn from it, and what can we what can we learn about whatever is uh, coming up in the future. Um, so this is going to be a, a, a fabulous interview. Uh, there's a, a a live show going to be coming up soon in October. You'll find out more about that. So uh, be sure and listen all the way through. We'll give you some websites and ways of finding out more about what's happening. But this is a, a wonderful project to uh, try and uh, resurrect uh, some of those uh lessons and memories and uh mostly you know what did what did we learn from those years that we can bring forward to today so this will be exciting please welcome uh to blog talk radio our guest today andrew mcdonald welcome andrew well thanks john it's really great to be with you here and, and be able to talk about something and i mean you and i have had these conversations uh, a bunch of times over the past few months it's great to be able to kind of have this conversation but at a more public level now yeah fantastic um all right uh why don't we start with um what is the wheaton college billy graham center and your your connection to it and how did you end up uh, being associate director uh, of the Research Institute. Uh, give us a little history here. Yeah, I think that's three questions, so we'll walk through them one at a time here. But so the, Wheaton <laughs> College, the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center is a, an evangelistic think tank um, or a kind of evangelistic uh, discipleship ministry program that was uh, created by Billy Graham uh, in, eight, in 1980 at Wheaton College uh, which was the focus of it was to be a hub for discussions and innovation around evangelism and mission. And so with the way that we try to carry on Graham's legacy today is to really help churches understand, uh, to equip churches for the work of ministry of evangelism and missions through discipleship, through church planting, uh, evangelism in prison uh, uh, chaplain programs, evangelism in rural churches. We're, we, we have a long uh, a wide range of institutes and initiatives that we have here. And my job to wrangle all of those is to facilitate any kind of research that we're doing. So we, we publish um, surveys that we do through Lifeway Research and Barna, and we publish books, a uh, wide range of books from different authors that we have here, both in-house and, and outside. Uh, and we, we take on various large research projects, which got me involved with Biola University uh, which started doing a Jesus People Oral History Project, uh, which you've, mm. you've introduced a little bit here, which is a um, project that was focused on a grant that came out of Biola University through their new Center for the Ministry and Work of the Holy Spirit Today uh, Institute, um, run by Oscar Merlo. Uh, and so they had a grant to study a uh, wide range of works of the Holy Spirit in history and put on several conferences over multiple years. And the first one they wanted to focus on was the Jesus People Movement, which was a series of revivals that happened uh, throughout North America, but really centrally located in Southern California, Northern California, parts of uh, Houston and um, uh, Palm Beach, Florida, Indiana. And so it spread 
wide ranging all over the place, but, but mm-hmm. most of your audience would be more familiar with the stories from uh, the Bay Area and Southern California. And uh, the focus of these revivals were on what we would call today the hippies or the hippie counterculture movement. Um, but really it was, a, it was a focus on young people that had been alienated and kicked out of the church for a wide range of reasons, including their, their devil music of rock and roll and uh, their, <laughs> their weird hair and, and, and clothes. And, and really a, a, a group of people, um, some of which that you and I are going to talk about today that had a big impact on your life, um, really had a heart for these people that had been ostracized from the church and started ministering to them and evangelizing to them. And soon within, within years, really hitting an apex and, the 1970, early 1970s, 71, 72, uh, led towards a huge uh, revival of conversions amongst both youth culture mm-hmm. as a whole in America, but the hippie counterculture specifically. And various things came out of this movement, uh, completely revolutionized church music, um, mm-hmm. contemporary Christian music and worship as fundamentally different today because of this revival. Uh, youth culture, you think about youth groups today, really found their early expression in some of the coffee houses that came out of this movement. And, I mean, even beyond that, just the, the, the adaptability of churches to, to think about how to take the, the, the same message of Jesus, but to uh, wrap it in the cultural language of, the, of, of today, was really pioneered a lot during this generation of being able to adapt without losing the central message of Jesus. And so mm. we've, we've spent the last two years or so, COVID has definitely thrown us a little bit of a, of a, yeah. of a monkey wrench into our plans, but we've taken the last two and a half years or so of interviewing people who are involved with the movement, such as yourself, and letting them tell us their story and capturing those stories. And we're, we're launching a website uh, in the coming days here uh, which is jesuspeoplemovement.com, which will be hosing all of the interviews for people to go and use. This is going to be a free resource for people, scholars, and those who are impacted the movement, or anybody who just wants to learn more, uh, for them to be able to go to and hear the stories about what God did through this really unique period of time. Um, the stories are as diverse as you could possibly imagine, people such as yourself who are impacted a lot more by the music, but then other people who are impacted simply just by kindness of people telling them about Jesus at a time when they were captured to drugs or depression. Um, and it, it's a fascinating project. I've really enjoyed it. Wow. Um, how, how did you get connected w- with the, uh, the Billy Graham Center there at Whedon? How did that come out? So I, yeah, so I, I was hired, uh, uh, I was a PhD student at Trinity Evangelical Divinity up here in uh, Deerfield, mm-hmm. Illinois. And, was hired on uh, here by our, man, our executive director, Dr. Ed Stetzer, who runs the uh, Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, to uh, do some background uh, research for books that he was writing. And then eventually that uh, job evolved into uh, director, associate director of the Research Institute. So I head up all of our research now. And so the, the role evolves, but oftentimes it comes by way of somebody has a heart for a project, they're looking for somebody to help them facilitate that project and to see it really flourish. And that's where we come in. So we've, we've had the opportunity of doing similar, similar projects for other, other uh, organizations or individuals. And it's always a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, May I ask how old you are, Andrew? Andrew? Uh, I'm 34 (laughs) years old. 
I uh, uh, 34 as of as of as of this past Sunday. So I I turned 34 uh, this past Sunday. So I'm 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 old by standards of my knee by my knee if you ask it as it's getting uh, cantankerous. But I, I know I'm talking with somebody who has a lot more experience than I do. <laughs> um, 34 years old. So uh, you're looking into a time that was maybe about 50 years ago. Um, what what uh, besides I guess besides being associate director. Was there any any motiva- personal motivation you you had uh, about this project that made you uh, very excited about uh, about heading it up? Yeah, I, so I'm a, the, I'm a historical theologian. I have my PA, I'm getting my PhD, finishing it at Trinity in historical theology, and uh, my focus has always been on. Uh, conversion and revival, looking at those forces in American history. And the Jesus People Movement is a a great example of a lot of the a lot of the innovation and change, both cultural and religious, that happens when significant uh, revival, awakening, whatever you want to call it, happens when there's really, uh, when there's a lot of things that shake up the status quo of the church. Uh, it's really one of the most formidable forces in American history, whether or not you want to look at the Great Awakening or the Businessmen's Mm -hmm. Revival of 1857 and and all the way up through the Jesus Movement. And so I'm I'm fascinated by these. I think that they're always understudied and underappreciated. And so I'm always interested in them. And and this was a nice intersection of my own personal studies and uh, a great movement that uh, honestly I feel like is – it's one of the great things about oral histories is that you're able to study these things while people are still alive. And, and many of these stories are, unfortunately, as, as you and I've talked about, uh, we're losing some of the, mo- some of the best stories and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, men like Chuck Fromm uh, and others are, are passing away. Uh, and unfortunately for some of them, there's those, some of the best stories have always been told, but some of those stories that are just on the periphery are, are, are being lost. And yeah. so our heart was to get those, captured and, and included in really what was a mosaic of a, a, a right. movement included so that we could understand its fullness. Right. Right. Yeah. Or you think of, uh, Oh gosh, uh, Larry Norman, Mark Hurd. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've, we've, we've lost some very significant voices. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm glad you got started when you did. So that uh, yeah, we've often joked that this project was we've often joked that this project was about ten ten years too late. Um, <laughs> that but but even still, like it, it's you think about um, oral histories as a way to allow people to tell you their perspective. It's not always a perfect historical historically mm-hmm. accurate people will misremember dates and misremember people and that's but the point of it isn't always to get a perfect historical accuracy as like a textbook but to help people understand and to invite them in of what it felt like a real felt quality to these things and um, many of your listeners might be familiar with some of the oral histories that went into the second world war and uh, hearing from veterans what it was like to be a part of the trenches and and the tank battles and landing in D-Day and obviously this isn't the same thing mm-hmm. on the same level but but it's a it's a similar thing of letting people tell you what they felt like 
when mm-hmm. they went to a love song concert uh, or when they heard Lonnie Frisbee preach or mm-hmm. Ray Ste- or Ray Steadman. Um, mm-hmm. And letting them tell you how that what it felt like to be part of a beach baptism and seeing people just flood the entire beach, um, I think there's a really powerful thing to hearing the testimony of people from past generations. Um, yeah. I love there's a great there's a great quote by uh, Philip Schaff, the church historian of the late 19th century, who said that church history is the 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 full uh the fulfillment of matthew 28 where christ says that lo and behold i am with you to the end of the age that church history is again and again testimony to the fact that that's true that jesus is with us to the end of the age mm. and mm. so I, I always go back to that quote as uh and and why we do history why we do these projects is to see the hand of god not only right. broadly but in the in the lives of individuals okay i've got a uh bit of an academic question though but i i just i i'm very curious about asking what you have found out about this question because i've wondered about it myself you mentioned the great awakening and and we think of uh, Bill, billy sunday and uh, and uh, and um you know the great the great uh movements um uh you know back even into the reformation time um where does the Jesus movement fall in there? I mean, is it considered uh, a, a spiritual uh, awakening, or, or is it? Or do you do you find some people when you say Jesus movement, they say what? Um, <laughs> what have you? You know, I'm I'm just kind of curious about what you've uncovered about uh, how people look at that on a more maybe academic level. Yeah, I think that on a more academic level, there's a lot of debate about the Jesus movement, uh, mainly because conversions are always really hard to quantify. And so oftentimes people, historians and theologians, won't necessarily go to number of people converted, but they'll go to broader things in the way that it changed culture. And so if you, it depends on who you read, but the historian William McLaughlin, McLaughlin um, argues in, in a really influential book, um, uh, revivals, awakenings, and reform that the Jesus hmm. movement marked marked not an awakening but a revival. Um, and, and I think that he's probably huh. pretty right. I don't know if I would say awakening because I think when we use the term awakening, we we tend to talk more in culture than in just purely religious. That uh, revivals are things that can happen broadly. That doesn't mean something doesn't have to be a, an awakening to be broad throughout the world. Um, Mm -hmm. but it it speaks more to impact than it speaks to breadth. And so revivals tend to be focused on more, uh, um, the church within the church, within the religious community, they tend to be uh, more compartmentalized in terms of it, it, it changes the church, but it doesn't change society as much. And I would say that the Jesus people movement, while very impactful, and really revolutionized huge portions of the church, like music and evangelism. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't know if it had the depth of impact on American and Canadian and, and Western and global cultures that some of the other ones did. I would point to like the Second Great Awakening, I think fundamentally revised um, so much of American and, and North American culture. Um, and so that's where I would draw the line. I wouldn't say that the Jesus movement is, was an awakening. Um, but that I, I want you to hear from me. 
I don't think of that in any way. It's not like there's a competition going on where that in some ways yeah. diminishes its importance. Um, and I think it was, it was very impactful. Um, and, and especially for those who experienced it, it was paradigmatic for mm-hmm. how, they, how they would relate to God for the rest of their lives. And wow. without the Jesus movement, you don't have youth groups today. You don't have yeah. uh, DC talk and, and contemporary Christian music of the 90s. And you don't have the, the, the emergence of uh, Hillsong and contemporary mm-hmm. worship music uh, that you have today. So, so it's, it's intensely impactful um, mm-hmm. on the church. I, I don't think it echoed in a culture as much as past ones. Maybe that's more of a, uh, of a, of a comment on American culture that had secularized at the time that the church wasn't as important as a whole. Um, but I, w- I would reserve that title just of awakenings for those who have more of a depth impact on culture. Okay. All right. Um, right now, I mean, you've been spending two years, uh, over two years, talking to some of my favorite people. Uh, on the planet um <laughs> what, uh, what 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 would you say I, i'm sure this is a hard question to grab one thing but I, I you know what on the top of your head comes out as that the the one thing that's most changed your understanding or or affected you or surprised you uh about um what what you've been doing for the last two years yeah, uh, sorry, I'm actually getting a call on the other line from one of our favorite people in Chuck Gerard uh, <laughs> while we're talking here. Um, okay. But uh, but no, it's it, it's a good question, and and there's a lot of in, good insights that people have had that uh, around the ways that it changed uh, evangelism. I think that it really forced the church to think critically about uh, evangelism as a central pillar. That that evangelism wasn't done by cultural osmosis, meaning that like you, you have to kind of just grow people into being Christians and you have to, they have to look like you and walk like you and think like you. Um, but that you go to people where they are. I think one of the best examples of this is, uh, Billy Graham. And that if you go back and you look at Billy Graham in the 1950s and early 1960s, Billy is very straight laced. He wears a tie and a suit. He's got a clean cut. But then watch Billy as the 60s and the 70s start to pick up. And he all of a sudden starts to have a little bit more of that, like, bigger collar. And his hair starts to grow out. And he starts to look a little bit more like Johnny Cash. Um, (laughs) and, and, And the reason why Billy understood this really well, he understood that if you're going to reach people, there, you need to in some ways make some cultural accommodations to them to show them that you're reaching out. It's the same thing with missionaries who, who begin to dress and eat, and eat food of people who, where they live. If you went off to India and you just kept dressing the same and tried to eat McDonald's and, and, and other American food, and uh, it would be hard to, to get over those barriers. And Billy understood that even just something as small as – growing his hair out and, and just those small little things. He was making subtle sim- signs of showing people that they had a space in his, in his, in his movement, his organization, his, 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 his uh, crusades and, and really his vision of the kingdom. And I think ah. that the, the, the Jesus movement was such a great example of how evangelicalism at its best is outward, out, an outward facing movement. 
it isn't a movement that is based on you have to look this way, you have to talk this way, you have to think this way. Yeah. Uh, we, don't, we don't set up barriers to people getting to the kingdom. We go to you. Uh, we are ascending movements. We, we go out to the world. And part of that is having the cultural intelligence to see the way they dress, see the way they live, and then adapting ourselves to those things while at the same time mm. retaining the core of the gospel. And uh, Billy did that better than anybody. But um, if you look at the great people, and you, you had one in your life of Ray Stedman, um, Ray did this too. Ray never, you, I don't think you would ever put the term hippie on Ray. He never became a hippie. No. Uh, I think he, you said at one point that Ray was, was uh, uncool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I think that's pretty fair. Um, and neither was Chuck Smith at, at, at Calvary Chapel. Chuck Smith, not a cool guy but made small, little, uh, subtle accommodations to the way people dressed while keeping Jesus at the core of everything. And that mm-hmm. just allowed people to see that there was space for them. And so uh, I, I think one of the central things about the Jesus movement was forcing the church out of its rut of looking a certain way, talking a certain way, um, to see people as the image bearers of God that you needed to reach. And then, and then from that from that belief, uh, yeah. then, a- then asking the question, okay, what do I do to reach them? How can I start speaking their language? And for you, yeah. I remember in, our, in our conversation, one of the things that you said was just learning to speak in, in song, learning to use rock right. and roll and, and folk music, being able to bring the message of Jesus in those mediums to people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it. And right. We've, we've been doing that ever since, but that's really a Jesus movement. That's, that, that's, a, that's a great piece of it, is that just the, those guys who figured that out did very well. Yeah. Is there anything, anything that, that uh, happened in all those conversations uh, that you weren't expecting? Um, any surprises? Hmm, it's a good question. I think that I, I was I, I knew that the, the 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 music played such a, an important role. But one of the things that I wasn't expecting was the the way that music music is very different in the Jesus in the Jesus movement as opposed to today. And what I mean by that is there was a replicable model that really pushed uh, uh, that that really really. Uh, push the, the whole movement forward. By that I mean that when people heard Love Song or uh, Second Chapter of Acts, they mm-hmm. didn't go out and buy their albums and just listen to their albums. They, they went out and got a guitar and they tried to then play their songs and then tried to write their own songs. There was a, okay, I've seen this being done, now I'm going to do it too. I'm going to get on the mission rather than just become a consumer. And I think one of the things that I came out again and again when I talked to people was how the Jesus movement bred a holy dissatisfaction with purely passive Christianity, that it was, okay, I've heard them tell a song, tell their story. Now I got to tell my story and I got to reach people. And whether or not it was in music or in evangelism or in the coffee houses or in preaching, that was a constant thing that came out was um, it wasn't like today when you might find a great preacher and it's like, okay, I'm just going to listen to this guy again and again and again and again 
on podcasts and everything, it was, I heard this great preacher, now I'm going to try and take hold of that too. There was a sense of uh, entrepreneurship or, or we might say replicatable, uh, rep, replicable aspect of the, the movement that I, I wasn't expecting as much. Um, but I think that that's central to revival. It isn't in the Chuck Smiths or the Ron, Lonnie Frisbees. It, it isn't in the greatest leaders. It's in their abil- those leaders' ability to have people walk away saying, what can I do to be on mission today? Um, and, and whether or not it's, I talked to one person who was a 14 year old, uh, who went to, um, Explo and he comes back Mm -hmm. from Explo and he starts a band in his own garage. And that's a very common story, Mm. but to Mm. have a 14 year old asking, what can Mm -hmm. I do? to advance the kingdom of God, how could I tell my story? Um, That's a central piece. And I I think that I wasn't expecting how, how deeply that, that pushed the movement forward. Ah, yeah, that's great. I wasn't expecting that either. Um, Oh gosh, I hate the way that time flies here. Um, But I'm going to ask you a really hard question now and uh, probably impossible to, to, to answer, but I'm curious as to what will come to your mind. If, I, if, if you could somehow capsulize from all the people you have talked to, they would say, what do you think they would say? What are some of the main things they would say to Christians today? If they, would, if they could speak today and have a voice and a platform, what do you think they would say uh, to the church today and yeah, let's let's keep it the church. Maybe the world, but I'm thinking more of the church right now. Well, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is the famous um, Chuck Smith carpet story, and I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I'm sure you've probably heard it before, but it's very commonly told. It's almost the lore of uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. But mm-hmm. um, in a famous example, uh, famous story. Chuck Smith, who is the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, one of the mm-hmm. early Jesus people hotspots, he uh, was having some of the hippies, some of the counterculture kids come into his church, and he was getting some pushback from his, uh, from his um, church. He was getting some pushback from, from people who were upset. And one of the points that they were upset about was that they had brand new carpet that they had put into their sanctuary. And <laughs> this carpet was beautiful and and paid for and everything. And these hippies were coming in with their bare feet on and ruining the carpet. And so somebody had put up a sign that said, uh, no bare feet on the carpet. And <laughs> this had, somebody had just taken the opportunity to do this. And when Chuck Smith saw it, he became very upset and he called the church together. And he basically said, if the carpet, if our carpet causes us to turn away even one person from coming to church, then I will rip out the carpet. And the idea there that has it really that's so paradigmatic for so much of the Jesus movement because the the best there are many there are many many people who are faced in a similar situation as Chuck Smith who decided to protect the carpet decided to protect the status quo, mm. and we don't know those people have been lost to history. Uh, they chose safety. They chose status quo. Mm. And unfortunately, they, they, we don't know who they are today. Um, but there are other people like Ray and, um, and Chuck Smith and, um, and, and uh, Ray Renner um, who, who chose instead to make the hard choice 
and to never let an obstacle get between the gospel and people who needed it. And my point would be if you were to ask Chuck Smith or you ask uh, Ray Stedman or any of these other leaders, especially the establishment leaders today, uh, who really had a heart for the hippies and for the counterculture, what they would say is what is the carpet today? What is the thing that we're protecting that isn't the gospel, but that is preventing people from getting it? What are we put? What roadblocks are we putting up that yeah. we're that are, are are either it's our plush carpets and our nice buildings, it's our nice uh, it's our safeties and securities. What are the things that the church today mm-hmm. is making barriers for mm-hmm. people who need the gospel to hear it? And yeah. um, I think there's a temptation to focus on what other people are putting forward as the as the barriers to the gospel. But I would I think one of the insights of Chuck and and many others would be to push it back on on your listeners and individuals to say what are the barriers you're putting up, what are the things that you're yeah. that you're you're caring about that really aren't the gospel, but are nice. It's not that they're wrong. But mm-hmm. that are maybe preventing mm-hmm. maybe preventing you from reaching your neighbors and your coworkers and your family with the gospel. Yeah. And then and then and then do what tear it up, tear up that carpet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so I I think that's the message that I would say uh, mm-hmm. is desperately needed by the church today because I I think I don't want to list any carpets because it, uh, that I think because I think that. Uh, mm-hmm. We can always run to what again, what other people think. I think it's better for people to try to think honestly and prayerfully about what are their carpets rather than have them mm-hmm. prescribed. Do you think something like music, which, which in the beginning, in the times we've been talking about here, was a huge tool? Uh, but do you think that uh, it could be that music even becomes that carpet? Can, that that. Uh, a kind of a, a a highly polished rock and roll church presentation could actually be a hindrance. Uh, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think that uh, one of the things that struck me again and again. I remember talking to Tommy Coons, uh, one of the uh, one of the original members of Love Song, um, and uh, we were talking about his when they would travel out to coffee houses and perform mm-hmm. and to churches and perform and, and other places in the early years. And they were basically paid gas money, if that, and maybe somebody from the church would give, give them food for dinner and then they would be on their way home. And sometimes they were traveling all day, like out to like Colorado, Indiana, um, Florida, Texas, like they would go far uh, day trips, uh, multiple weekend trips, like, they, and 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 then just barely make it back and and we're living hand to mouth and and I think one of the things that was so important of those I'm not advocating pe- ministry people don't get paid I think that the the laborer is deserving of his wages and I think that we need to pay people for the work that they do and and it's not the job of individuals to impoverish pastors and worship leaders and, and others but there is a piece to it that they had a fire in their hearts to proclaim the gospel through song, um, through story. And there was no amount of, I got to build my brand. I got to get my name out there. I got to distinguish myself. I've got to cultivate Mm -hmm. a following. It was, I've got a message 
and I've got to mm-hmm. get it out. And today, Love Songs remembered second chapter of Acts and The Salt mm-hmm. Company and Agape and all these other great bands. But there are literally hundreds of others that we will never know about that had mm-hmm. small followings of maybe 50 or 60 or maybe mm-hmm. 100 in small towns like Duluth and um, – Perth and, and and different places yeah. in the Midwest that are are, are and, and but they were but again those were faithful people who had a story mm-hmm. who 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 wanted to proclaim it and we don't know the kingdom impact from those stories and so I think mm-hmm. when wow. you when you look at music today when you look at what people are 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 doing today I think there are, are there's many many great worship leaders many many great Christian musicians that care very much about the gospel and proclamation mm-hmm. but it can mm-hmm. be a temptation for them to care about the brand and to care about yeah. Uh, yeah. cultivating a following. And I think that's, that's, that's part of it. There was no mistaking uh, the heart of some of these early bands like Love Song, that it was about the, I have been saved by Jesus and I need to tell other people about him. And I don't care what I have to do and I don't care where I have to go. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. And there was, there was a missionary uh, tone to it that, mm-hmm. um, it's hard. It's hard to keep that going. I will say it's, I don't blame anybody for the kind of professionalization of music um, and worship. It's hard to keep that going and and you can idealize it all you want, but there is a certain pureness and, 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 and genuineness to the um, early movement that, that I think would do well for people. And I think there are many again who do it, who do it well today, but broadly it's a good it's a good lesson for worship leaders today to learn mm-hmm. great uh well let's let's just um uh, get down to some uh individual some brass tacks here for people who want <laughs> to uh find out what's going on uh you mentioned a website what was that again yeah, so it's jesuspeoplemovement.com. We're going to be launching the website uh, in the coming days here. Uh, it's going to house uh, a couple articles from Jesus People members who are going to be writing on, who have written on uh, some of their stories and their reflections on aspects of the movement. Um, we're inviting people. If you're interested, you can always send us some of your story, and we're going to be publishing them. Uh, it's also going to be housing these interviews. We have over 40 interviews done. We're, we're going to be getting over 50 by the time we're done completely uh, of people yeah. telling their story. And uh, these are about anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour and a half long uh, interviews. You can jump around in them and, and hear different episodes of what's gone on in their life and, and the movements. Uh, and then also it's going to link to these uh, after our conference, which we'll talk about in a second here. Um, we're going to be posting four edited videos that are going to focus on evangelism, uh, music, uh, revival in the Holy Spirit, and then uh, issues of oh. justice and protest that were, were, were key mm. to the movement. Um, and so those are going to be posted after October 7th when, uh, when our conference, uh, Biola University is hosting the Ablaze Conference this October 7th to the 9th. Uh, at Biola University in La Mirada, California, and it's going to be a three-day uh, conference exploring the legacy and the future of the Jesus, uh, kind of the legacy of the Jesus movement, and then looking forward to the future 
uh, to learn what can we learn about the Jesus movement, what, what, can, mm. what have we learned about the Jesus movement to then live life differently today, uh, to, what can the church learn to, to reach people, to, uh, to, to sing worship, to call for revival, to engage issues of justice and, and, and inequality. Um, and so I think there's it's going to be a great evening. It's going to be a great few days. Greg Laurie, uh, uh, Ed Stetzer, Matt Chandler are some of the speakers that are going to be there. Uh, Bishop Ulmer uh, is going to be speaking as well. And then on, huh. on the Friday night, we're having a Jesus Music Conference concert where love song and uh, some of the members of second chapter of acts uh, are going to be performing some members of the salt company um, and it's going to be a great opportunity to sing some of the older songs and also reflect on uh, a fresh word for today fantastic well that sounds exciting and we can find out more about that i'm sure at at the the website right yeah you can you can find out more you can find out more about that at uh at our website at jesuspeoplemovement.com Com, but also uh, you can register straight at the Biola uh, website for that, which is biola.edu backslash ablaze conference. So that's biola.edu backslash ablaze hyphen conference. And mm. uh, that will be, it, it's going to be a great, it, they've made, thankfully they've made the price extremely cheap because they really, it's all just about, this is all done through uh, generous donations of, of people who are impacted by the movement. So the, the conference is extremely affordable uh, to be able to be part of it. And uh, please, if you're, in the, if you're in the area, I'm going to be there, and I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to have workshops looking at some of the big pieces yeah. of it. I'm going to be leading a workshop looking mm-hmm. at the history of uh, music and worship uh, coming yeah. out of the Jesus movement and where we've gotten to today. So we have, um, cool. it's going to be a great, great opportunity to learn. Well, I'm going to be there. I know that. Yeah, and I'm so, looking forward. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you and and and, and all the others who have been such great uh, help yeah. with with this project. Well, finally, one final question. At the end of the day, you know, uh, the, when the Lord says to us, uh, "Well done, uh, good and faithful servant," what 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 do you think? Um, what what will you be really happy th- that that He says about you? in relationship to your work with this conference, this whole, this whole project. (laughs) Oh man, that's a packed question to to finish off with here. Uh, I think that I, I, I tend to think of that as the, the, I mean, the broader, the broader piece of that, that those wordings comes from the, the parable of the talents. And oftentimes I find myself, dear Lord, please don't let me be the one who just buried my talents. Um, but but be the one who multiplied them and i and i think you know what's one of the things that guides me here when i come in every morning i pass by wheaton college's big sign which has been out there since 1865 when the or 1860 when the college was founded and it says for christ in his kingdom mm-hmm. and so it's it's not about a quantity uh <laughs> to a certain degree also not about a quality of, of things that we do um but it's who we're doing it for and so uh, I, uh, uh, at the end of the day, to hear "Well done, good and faithful servant" isn't so much about what I did specifically, but it's about what was my motivation for doing it. And so, with this Jesus music, Jesus movement project, uh, I am always a historian trying to use the history to understand more about God, uh, help people understand more about God, but also mm-hmm. help the church under, understand. Don't make the same mistakes learn from what we've done in the past 
engage people in a way that is 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 uh, powerful the gospel and to uh, and and ultimately to to celebrate but not worship the past. I, I think that that can be a thing yeah. too. There's yeah. there, this conference is going to have some good things to say about the Jesus movement, but there's also some some tough areas, some failings yeah. that need to be need to be engaged. And why why didn't it do more? Um, why didn't it do better in some ways? And I think that's, there's hmm. always a healthy piece. And so if okay. I could ask if, if, if Jesus could be better, or if Jesus, could, could, if Jesus tells me that I could be better in one area of this, it's always um, how could I help the church uh, mm-hmm. uh, learn from the past in a way that okay. is constructive rather than just celebratory. Cool. Well, Andrew, you know what? Uh, there's more to talk about. Will you come back? Uh, yes, I'd love to, especially as we get closer to this day, maybe when we're there in person. Yeah, that would be great. We'd love to have you back. Thank you so much for uh, spending your time with me today, tonight, and uh, I appreciate it and pray God's blessing on on this work that uh, that it'll, it'll inspire many people. Thank you, my, my friend. Mine too. Uh, mine too. I covet your prayers as we move forward with this movement and or this conference and looking forward to seeing you in person. Great. Beautiful. Thank you, Andrew. God bless. There you go, folks. Well, yeah, you filled up our time this time. Yeah, that was too fun. Too many things to talk about. We'll have Andrew back. Just trying to get it together. Trying to help the fellow man.